0: Let's go ahead and pray together as we get started with our time in God's Word tonight. Heavenly Father, we come to you now, and uh, God, we want to come humbly, uh, remembering that you are God in heaven, and we are just here on earth. We are creatures that you have made. Uh, God, we're also uh, your children that you have saved, that you have bought with your own blood. And so, God, we want to come here tonight ready to listen, ready to listen to what you have to say through your Word and God, I would pray more than just ready to listen, but ready to obey, especially, God, as we open up your word and, and think about uh, the role of the husband tonight. God, may this be something that impacts the marriages and families in this room. So we lift it up to you, and we ask for you to bless this time of teaching and then our time just uh, talking about it together in our small groups. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, guys in the room, I'd like you to take a moment now and fast forward a little bit in your life, and actually fast forward all the way to the end to your funeral, and picture, if you would, with me for a minute, your own tombstone. Picture that, and besides your name and some numbers on there representing the dates you lived, what is that tombstone going to say? I mean, when your life is over? What are the words that are going to be there that will define your life? What are you going to be remembered for? And there might be a few things that that come to the surface of your mind, but I think one of those things and one of those words that's going to come up a lot at your funeral and maybe even on your tombstone is the word husband. Uh, Husband in many ways defines what you are, and it's going to be something that's important not just for this, you know, young married season of your life, uh, this is going to be important for as long as as you live. And it's going to be more than that, one of the things that you are remembered for even after you're gone. Your role as a husband is one of the most defining things about your life. Shouldn't we want to do it well? Shouldn't we want to make sure that that then is one of the parts of our life in which we really excel? And aren't we grateful that God gives us some very clear, specific instructions on what that should look like as a husband? I'm thankful for that. And that's what we want to look at tonight. Uh, we want to open up God's word. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. So We think about our role as a husband, something that's so crucial, so important, not just right now, but for the rest of our lives and even when we're gone. What does God tell us to do? Let's get to Ephesians. Let's look at verse, chapter 5, verse 25, which says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. Now, one thing that's saying is that Christ is the standard. That is how God would want us to love our wives with that same intensity of love. But more than that, uh, Christ is the model. Hey, look at how Christ loved and love like that, husbands. That's what you want to do. Now, if you were with us last year in Thrive, where we took one night and we walked through this entire section here in Ephesians uh, 5, I think we went all the way down to verse 30, looking at everything it says there uh, in depth in Ephesians. So tonight we want to take a little bit of a different approach, and we want to step back and say, okay, it says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Well, let's ask tonight, how did Christ love the church? How does Christ love the church? If he's the model, if he's the person I'm trying to imitate in my love, let me watch him love so I can see what do I need to do. So we want to look at other parts of the Bible, consider ways that Christ loved us or in that Christ still loves the church. Now, one thing I do a lot, because in that other ministry that's meeting in here on Sunday nights, the college young adult ministry, yeah, I, I hang out with those guys too. And so one thing that leads me to do uh, a lot is premarital counseling. As some of these two young ad- adults find their uh, this person that they love, they, they fall in love, they're, they're getting married, they're so excited about everything, I get a chance to talk to them and, and help them get ready for this thing called marriage in the first session we always meet one thing I always want to know is their story tell me how you guys met tell me how you guys you know started hanging out tell me how you guys fell in love and one question that I'm always curious about is all right who liked who first how did this get get, get started and usually that provides some interesting answers and some good storytelling But what happens when you take that question and apply it to this whole relationship between Christ and the church? Who liked who first? Well, Christ. He was the one that loved first. I think of the the hymn, sometimes we sing in the main service that has the line, from heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. With his own blood he bought her and for her life he died. Christ was the one who pursued the church and so, husbands, you, you see there on your uh, sheet for tonight. You, you want to love your wife with a love that first pursues. Love your wife with a love that pursues. You want to pursue your wife in love. After all, this is the example Jesus set for us. 1 John four ten. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son. To be the propitiation for our sins, Christ was the one who pursued us. And one interesting thing I came across as I was uh, studying this is here so clearly the husband is commanded to love his wife. If we were to look through the whole New Testament, we would see in, in nowhere in the New Testament is the wife commanded to love her husband in this same way. Now you might be thinking, okay, Titus two talks about. Wives, they make sure, teach the younger women to, to love their husbands. That's a different word in the Greek. And even that word has the, more the idea of being, being affectionate for their husband. It's, it's a different sense. This is a unique love that God is calling for husbands specifically to have for their wives. The husband is called to be the lover and the pursuer of his wife. Just as Christ loved and pursued the church. The husband is to be the pursuer, and the wife really is to be the, the responder to that. And obviously, maybe that has implications about, okay, husbands, yeah, it's right that the husband is the one that gets on the knee and asks the woman to uh, marry him, but if you're in this room, we've, we've crossed that bridge. We've done that. In your life now, what's it going to look like, husbands, for you to love your wife with the love that pursues, that continues to be the lover of your wife, the one that is going after her In love. One thing that's gonna look like, guys, is to lead the way with intimacy. Lead the way with intimacy. And, guys, when I say that word, you're probably thinking about one thing. And maybe that's not exactly the same thing your wife is thinking about. Because, yes, when we talk about intimacy in the context of marriage, that is gonna bring sex to our minds. Because that is an expression of intimacy that should be there in marriage. But here's the thing, sex is an intimate act that should be an expression of intimacy that runs throughout the entire relationship of marriage. And husbands, that's what I'm talking about right now when I'm saying lead the way in intimacy, is lead the way in creating that culture in your relationship, not merely just one of physical intimacy, but one of relational intimacy and spiritual intimacy, and guys, just like, I know you crave that physical intimacy and some, even many cases, maybe more than your wife does. Realize in many cases, also, it's the wife that really craves that relational intimacy. She wants that love from her husband. There's a reason why God designed it this way and says husbands love your wives because you're feeling something that your wife has such a strong desire for, that kind of love. And this kind of relational intimacy that's going to run all throughout your marriage. And that kind of intimacy does not just happen. You don't drift into intimacy like that. It's going to take work. It's going to take planning. It's going to take creativity. But guys, God has chosen you to accomplish that job. And by no means is it going to be easy. But think for a moment about your your work, when your boss comes to you and gives you some important, critical assignment and it's not easy, what would you do in that moment? Guys, well, I would hope you would say, all right, this is a big deal. I'm gonna figure out how to make this happen. I'm gonna do whatever it is that I need to do to get this done because there's a pressure that's built in. You feel the pressure from whoever your boss is. And in some cases in, in marriage, there's, there's not kind of that, that pressure that's, that's right there. There's nobody standing over your, your shoulder saying, hey, you need better make sure that you get this done. But Whether you can see it or feel it right now, husbands, God has given you an assignment. And someday you're going to stand before him. And you're gonna have to deal with him. And, and even, guys, as you get towards the end of your life, Someday, you're even gonna to have to deal with yourself as you look back on your life and you look back on your marriage. Do you wanna look back and say, you know what, I didn't really work hard at that? I, and I specifically, I didn't really work hard at pursuing my wife with this relational kind of intimacy of just investing in our relationship. Is that what you wanna look back and think someday? I don't think so. So, yeah, it might be hard, but plan. Well, what's the game plan? How are you going to invest in the relationship with your wife? Well, what is the game plan for date nights or, or, or getaways or at least quality conversation with your wife or even the day-to-day things of how can I express love and, and care and concern for my wife? What, what's the game plan? How can I be creative? How can I make sure that I'm putting some of the money that we're earning as a family to, to this because this is a priority? What, what's, what's the plan? And even guys, I want to challenge all of you right now, whatever whenever your next small group guys accountability is, I want you all to spend some time talking about this. Uh, I want you guys to spend some time man-to-man in, in a group uh, of husbands talking about, all right, this is, this is what, how I'm trying to invest in my relationship with my wife, to pursue her in love so that she would know how loved she is. She would know how much I care about Her And how much I want to have this close, intimate relationship with her. Lead the way in pursuing intimacy in your marriage. And another thing is you are the pursuer. Lead the way, guys, in conflict resolution. This is what Christ did. While we were still sinners, there was a problem between us and God. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we went astray, Jesus comes and finds us. Even as believers, when we find ourselves doing something we shouldn't, our Savior, he's going to come and he's going to get us. Husbands, when there's a problem between you and your wife, be the one that takes the first step towards resolution. Now, that's going to look a little different from how Jesus would go about it because, guys, you're going to end up saying something that Jesus never has to say, which is, I'm sorry. And men, lots of times you can lead the way in conflict resolution by you being the first one to own up to how you contributed to the conflict. And you can be the one that says, you know what, I'm sorry. I don't care what, you know, happened or what provoked me. I shouldn't have done this. And I'm ready to, to move on. I'm ready to move past this. Husbands, don't sit around and, and wait for your wife to come to you. Be the one that pursues her, even when it requires humility an apology, and asking for forgiveness. Be be the one to initiate that. It might look different from how Jesus would do it because you're a sinner. But follow his lead that, hey, when there's a problem, I want to be the one to fix it. And you could talk to me, you could talk to any of the pastors here at the church, you could talk about the, the marital counseling that we do, and I think we would all say, man, sometimes if the husband would just step up to that, we would see things radically change. Lead the way in that with a love that pursues. Now, especially when we're talking about conflict resolution, not only are you going to have to apologize, but husbands, another thing that you're going to have to do in another way that Christ loves the church, he loves the church with a love that forgives. And husbands, you need to love your wife with a love that forgives. A love that forgives. And just to look at two Verses in the New Testament that talk about this really briefly, Ephesians 4.32, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Or Colossians 3.13, Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Now, you could look at the word if there, and especially in the context of serenity, Of marriage, say, bearing with one another and when one has a complaint against another. Because let's be honest, in in marriage, sinning against one another, is that if that's going to happen or is it when? But I mean, after all, what did you expect? Did you not realize that you were marrying a sinful person? Or did you think maybe, well, they're just going to sin against other people, but they're not going to ever sin against me. That's not how marriage is going to work. Well, I think everybody in this room has been married long enough to realize, yeah, that's not the way that it works. In marriage, you are, unfortunately, there's going to be times where you do sin against your spouse or where you are sinned against. We shouldn't be surprised by that. But what we should do is we should be ready to forgive. And that's going to start with where these verses go, and that's where you're remembering that you're doing this the same way that Christ has forgiven you. You have to start by remembering your own Forgiveness, and that works really well with so much of what we've already talked about this year in Thrive, especially from Luke 18. I mean, we think back to where we started, the parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee. When the tax collector is standing there beating his chest saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, versus the Pharisee who thinks he's got it all figured out, which one of those two guys is going to have an easier time forgiving somebody else? The tax collector. Because he has a sense of how much he's been forgiven. Well, husbands, the same goes for you. When you have the same mindset that that tax collector had, it's going to be a lot easier for you to forgive your wife. Or even what we talked about last week, when we all realize, I'm the one who's been forgiven much. I'm the one who should love God so much because of how much he's forgiven me. When we have that mindset, it's going to be easier to forgive our spouses. It starts with remembering that. Guys, don't be the Pharisee in your marriage. Don't be the one coming to God. God, thank you that I'm doing so much better than my spouse is right now. God, I'm, I'm loving her, but did you see how she disrespected me last night? Don't, don't be like that in, in your conversations with God. Realize I have so much to be forgiven for myself, and let that motivate you to forgiveness. Now, forgiveness is not just a feeling. God just doesn't sit up there in heaven and feel forgiveness. For all of us. No, he, he does something about it. And it's going to look like you doing something about it. On one level, that's going to be internal. Where, where inside your heart and inside your mind, husbands, you are going to make a decision when your wife sins against you. That I am going to forgive her. I'm going to put this behind me. And specifically, I'm going to reject bitterness and anger. I'm not going to dwell on any of those things. Which, By the way, have those things ever really helped you in marriage? Can you look back every time, you know what, my wife did this, and I got really, really bitter about it, and that ended up fixing everything. I don't think so. It doesn't work like that. Bitterness just poisons everything. Where you're saying, you know what, I'm not going to dwell on this anymore. This is done as far as I'm concerned. I'm going to choose to forgive them, and that's going to lead to an external expression of that. Which What's that going to look like? I'm going to treat them like this never happened. I'm not going to let whatever they did that offended me, I'm not going to let that affect my behavior towards them. I'm going to treat them like this never happened. Now, there might be some rare exceptions to that, maybe if there's some kind of breach of even financial trust in your marriage, where maybe some, some things change. But even, even in those situations, outside of whatever it is changes in the situation, you should treat them like it never happened. It, it, that should not affect the way that you love your wife. Husband, that should not affect the way that you care for her. You should show your forgiveness with your actions. Don't let your pursuit of your wife ever be tied to her worthiness because Christ's pursuit of you was never tied to your worthiness. Love her in a way that pursues her and a way that forgives her. Another way that we see Christ loving the church, Hebrews 7, 25 Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. So talking about Jesus even right now praying for his people. Men, husbands, love your wife with a love that prays. Love your wife with a love that prays. This is what Jesus does for the church. Jesus even showed this when he was on earth. He prayed for his apostles who would become the foundation of the church. Even as Jesus predicts that Peter's gonna deny him, he says, you know what, Peter, but I've prayed for you. I've prayed that God would restore you after this. Or John 17, Jesus prays for them. On earth, he did this, and we see there in Hebrews 7.25, in heaven, he still does this. And guys, if you wanna love your wife like Christ loves the church, you need to be engaged in prayer for her. And I want us even to think about that that word there that was used in Hebrews 7.25, this idea of intercession. Intercession is a prayer or a petition or even an entreaty in favor of someone else where you are trying to intervene for somebody else on their behalf. That's what prayer for your wife should look like. Don't use prayer to intervene with God against your wife. Hey, hey God, I need you to come in and, and fix my wife. No, that's not what intercession looks like. Use prayer to plead for your wife, where you're coming to God on your wife's behalf, on her side, pleading her case with God. Not pleading your case, pleading hers. Picture a courtroom, for instance, and you've got, you know, the defendant sitting right there, but then you've got people that are sitting at the table with them making arguments to the judge and to the jury on behalf of the person that's sitting there. Guys, That's you in the prayer closet for your wife, that you are interceding for her. You are lifting her up to God. You are one of her advocates, her defenders before the Lord. And yes, there might be some things that you have concerns that you haven't talked with your wife or that you are lifting up to God, but the bulk of your prayers should be, what's her concerns? 1 Peter 5 talks about prayer is casting all your anxieties, all your cares before the Lord. Husbands, take all your wife's cares and all her anxieties and come and partner with her in praying and lifting those up to God. And I hope you would see how that would have such a huge effect on your marriage. How something that would happen even without your wife there, just between you and God, is going to bring you closer to your wife, because you're reaching out and taking the things that she cares most about and you're lifting them up to God. Man, wanna talk about something that's gonna unite your heart to your wife? When you're taking the things that are the heaviest on her heart and you're joining her in those and lifting them up to God? And I'm not just talking about praying when you're praying together as a couple, which you should do. Guys, I'm talking about even when you're praying on your own, when you're talking to God, lifting up the needs of your wife. Now, as you do that, that that's going to require some next-level prayers. That's going to require prayers that just go deeper than, God, help my wife to have a nice day, help her to, you know, survive handling all the kids today, and know she's got this big thing today. Help her out with that. It's going to mean you, you got to go deeper than that. You've got to really think, what is my wife worried about? What is my wife afraid of? What are the things that make her sad? What are the things she's concerned about? And I want to take all those and lift them up to God. And guys, that's going to get us back to the first point. That's going to require some intimacy. You're not going to get to that level in your prayers if you don't know what your wife is concerned about, if you don't know what she's afraid of, if you don't know what's weighing down her heart. And aside from marriage, it's just going to take an investment in your prayer life. Are you spending quality time talking to God in which you can spend time praying For your wife, and more than just a cursory, oh yeah, God bless her and help her today. But we need to pray for our wives. And yeah, make it more than just this cursory prayer. Is that how you would want, you would hope Jesus intercedes for you? Or do you want Jesus really lifting you up to the Father? Lift your wife up in the same way. And Jesus prayed for the church this way even when he was on the earth, and he still does because his love never stops let's just consider this verse even talking about the way that he treated his disciples john 13:1 now before the feast of the passover when jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the father having loved his own who were in the world he loved them to the end jesus loves the church with a love that endures and husbands you need to love your wife with a love that endures. That verse there that we read in John 13, the context for that is the Last Supper. That's where that verse happens. And what's about to happen is Jesus is about to wash the feet of his disciples. And then what's about to happen after that is that every one of his disciples is either going to deny him, abandon him, or betray him. That's the context for what goes on here. Guys, if you knew your wife was about to stab you in the back in some kind of way, would you continue to love and serve her, if you knew that was going to happen, I'm just going to go out on a limb and volunteer myself and say, that would probably affect my attitude. Did Jesus do that? Even though he knew what was going to happen. One of those people was Judas, who would betray him. One of those people was Peter, who would deny him three times. But he loved them to the end. And this is, and even what we get to there in Ephesians Chapter five, it is a countercultural kind of love. A love that's not in it for what am I gonna get out of this, but a love that's in it for what can I give to this? And that's even really what is highlighted there in Ephesians 5. Love your wives like Christ loved the church, and he gave himself for her. Sacrifice is such a key in marriage. Even before we came over here, one of the mentors was talking about, man, in all the marriage conflict I've seen, the key is, man, if the guy would, would give. If he would sacrifice for the wife, that would clear so many things up. What the Bible is showing and what Jesus is showing is that's not a one-time thing. That's a lifestyle, something that endures to the end. So that's going to take patience. You can't be thrown off in that by sin in your spouse. When your your spouse hurts you, that is not a call to step back in your love, husbands. That's a call to step forward in love. And, And just think, even you think about patience In marriage, think for a moment about God's patience with you. That's one of the reasons why I'm a, besides what the Bible teaches, uh, one of the reasons I'm a firm believer in the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints, that if you're truly saved, you will persevere to the end. One of the reasons I believe that is if it's possible to lose your salvation, I think I would. I think God would run out of patience with me, but He doesn't. And God's been so patient to us in a way that is so much greater than anything we would have to show to somebody else. And a love that endures is going to be one that's relentless. Not just, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to try this for the next week. I'm going to try to just be forgiving and, and pursue my wife and uh, pray for her. I'm going to see if, you know, I do that for the next seven days if that makes a difference. <laughs> no, it's, I'm going to do that for the rest of my life. And ultimately, it comes back to you want to love your wife with the kind of love that Christ loved the church, it's an unconditional love. It's not based on what you're receiving in return. It's based on clearly on what God calls you to. And ultimately, we need to make sure that this is a love that shows us that it hates divorce, just like Jesus did. Jesus clearly addressed that. What God has joined together, let no man separate. It's a love that endures that, hey, there's no walking out the door on this relationship, even when things get hard. I'm here, and I'm here to stay. Because after all, isn't that what you said on your wedding day? Till death do us part. And that brings us right back to where we started. To the graveyard. To the tombstone. That for many of you might right right there, chiseled into it, have that word husband. What kind of husband are you going to have been? Of course, none of us are going to reach the perfection of, of Christ. But it's not just about him being the standard. It's about him being the model. He showed us how to love and even now he's given us his holy spirit to give us the strength to go out and to follow that example a love that pursues a love that forgives a love that prays and a love that endures let's pray together god i lift up the husbands in this room to you and god i just pray that you would work on all of us god when christ is the standard god we all have plenty of room to grow and god i pray just for all of us um, from me to the mentors to uh, the newest person in Thrive, God, that we would all just put our defenses down tonight, and that we would really think about what what it is that you show us, what the example of Christ's love really looks like. And God, may we respond to that. May we be open to your direction. God, may we be ready to admit that we have ways to grow, and may we be eager to go out and to do that. God, may we be faithful to love our wives, and may that be just such a source of strength and joy and and hope in in the wives of our in the lives of our wives, God. That they would, that, that love that we give them would strengthen them and, and even draw them closer to you. And that it would affect the way even we lead our families and the impact we make in this world. God help us to be faithful husbands like you've called us to be and bless our small group discussions now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, have a great night.